Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Let's get into the Word of God. Are you ready for the Word? Let's get into the Word of God. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 14. We are beginning a new series called Because of Love. And and what we're going to do in this series, we're going to do our very best to convey the message of God's purpose and really the power and the influence behind what he's trying to do in your life. Everything is driven by love when it comes to God. Everything is driven by the nature of God. And so let's go ahead and start reading this. And the scripture says in the New King James, if you have your Bibles, pull them out electronic devices, whatever it may be. If you don't, here's a, it's here right here on the screen. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, how many of you remember reading that in, in, in Moses' ministry where the children of Israel, they sinned, but God and, and serpents were sent to bite them and, and, and because of their consequences... But Moses formed a serpent of gold and put it after God's direction. And as long as they kept their eyes on the serpent, if they were bitten, it wouldn't affect them. That was a typology and symbolism of the the forthcoming of, of Jesus Christ, who was lifted up on a cross and became sin. So you and I would not have to endure sin or suffer the consequences of it. So God had a reason and a purpose, and the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. And so, again, that's why he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Somebody give God some praise. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you today the surrender of your will to his perfect will for your life is the best decision you can ever make. If you've gone away from that and need to renew that, today you're going to have a chance to do that. But more importantly, to understand the love of God and how God feels about you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves us all so much that he gave his only begotten son. But here's the key for today. The key is is that when we understand it, because you can talk about love all day long, but understanding and feeling and knowing love is a whole different dimension. How many of you are glad that when you do come to church or when you pray, you can feel God, you can feel his love, you can feel his presence? So let's pray for the service today. Can we do that together? You bless it today. Now it's your turn to pray and bless this service. Let's do it together. Father, bless this service today. God, let us just release your word. And Father, help us to understand it. Let it be simple. Let it be plain, not complicated. God, nothing, God, that's fancy, but simply the unadulterated God word 
the, the, the full organic experience, Father, of your presence, the purity of who you are, everything about you we want today, God. We love you so much, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Turn around to your neighbor and tell them, do you know that Jesus loves you? And respond if you were asked that question. You can be seated this Sunday morning. We will be doing some teaching during this series as well. Today we're going to kind of just talk and convey a sermon that I feel should really tug on the strings of your heart um, as a believer. Because you and I, many times, we do struggle with love. Um, we do. Love comes with the price. Love comes with the price. But love has a unique way of expressing itself. Everyone expresses their love differently. God loves you, and he expressed it differently than most of us would have ever thought of in a different way. Over a decade ago, Gary Chapman taught us about the five love languages, and, and we learned a lot from that series and still learn a lot. I, I actually recommend that book to all of our, our couples that we marry, and I recommend that book and another, but it's probably one of the most, I'm going to say, um, it's probably one of the most influential books when it comes to relationship, and we learn so many ways to show it. We've learned, in fact, you know the, the love languages. There's acts of service. There's words of affirmation. There's gifts. There's quality time. And then there's physical touch. So we understand now that when we love someone, we can't just love them and in our own language. We have to learn their language. We have to learn what how they understand like like my love language is very uh, i'm a weird guy right i mean I, I love words they're okay i love god's words more um touching me i'm not a really touchy kind of guy I, I, but i do love giving hugs i just don't like receiving them is that weird i don't know i'm just i don't know what it is but acts of service when I come home and the house is clean, I feel loved. When my shoes are clean, I feel loved. When my clothes are clean, I feel loved. I'll tell you, I feel loved. I don't know what it is. It's acts of service. Well, you know your partner and your spouse's love language. Loving someone is very, very easy when they love you back. Loving someone is so easy when they're lovable. But that's not where love is really proven. Love is not, isn't proven in, a in an environment that's conducive to, to, his, to his love. Love is really proven in a dark world, in a place where there are people that are unlovable. That's what makes the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what makes Calvary so strong and so influential in our lifetime. We can't comprehend it that someone would literally go to the go through the crucifixion and and stay there because the Lord, you know, we understand that if any time God wanted to, He could have dismissed that whole 
thing and said, hey, that's enough. But he allowed Jesus to go through the process, and he stayed. Love kept him on that cross. Love got him on the cross. Love kept him on the cross. Love took him off the cross, and love brought him out of the grave. And then love was descended upon each and every one of us. And God poured out his love on us, and a new dispensation of grace began to be embraced by the church. And you and I began to experience something that we've never experienced in our life. Some of you, I know, like me, um, it's, you know, again, it's hard to love someone when they don't love you back or they're just unlovable. But somehow, some way, through God's grace, you and I have changed by the power of of God. I think the greatest miracle in the world is when God saves a soul, pours his grace on their hearts, and they turn into a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's just the best miracle there ever has been and will be. Because people get frustrated when they can't change the heart of an individual. But I know a God that loves them with all of their heart, with all his heart, and I know a God who can move on them and touch them and get in their thinking and begin to make changes. So each of us have to learn how to express that in our relationships, learn how to receive that, learn to understand that, because when you have a love for God, I promise you, you'll have a love for people. Someone said, I, I love my job. I just hate going there and meeting people. <laughs> I would love what I'd do if it wasn't for people. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter where you're at, you're always going to be involved with people, even if you do e-commerce. I don't care what you sell online, Amazon, or whatever you're doing. I don't care if you're trying to be a YouTuber. Uh, you're trying to escape the flow of the workplace. There's always somebody you're going to deal with on the other side of the phone line. Uh, there's always somebody you're going to deal with and when you go out to get groceries. Uh, you know, I do know now they're making so many apps and so many services where you can get your groceries delivered to your house. Um, you can do the curbside. Um, you can whatever you want to do. There's, there's so many ways to avoid real relationships like Facebook. I have a Facebook account. Facebook is great for marketing, but it's the worst deception when it comes to you thinking people really love you just because they put a heart on your status. <laughs> Am I right? I mean... I think that's the most people can have learned to express themselves. Oh, oh that's, you, I'm going to put a heart. <laughs> I'm going to let them know I love them. Put a heart. True love is shown when it's met with adversity. True love is met and known when it's faced with hatred, jealousy. And most of that comes from just plain for lack of better words and expression, ignorance. Some people don't know any better. That's why Jesus looked down and said, Father, forgive them for what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's where we live most of the time. But again, the greatest love language that was ever given is hardly ever spoken of. This language was was instituted over two millennials ago. This language is what brought millions of countless, if not billions of people to a place in an arc of safety. 
It's the story and the truth of a father who sent his son and a son who agreed that he would go through agony, that he would go through ridicule, that he would accept and be labeled as a criminal, a sinner, when he was innocent and guiltless. And there's only one expression that's in the scripture that is, gives really the antidote for our salvation. And that's this, that again, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. I love to give gifts to someone who is just grateful and has a heart of thanksgiving. Don't you love giving gifts to people who are grateful and just say thank you? Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mama. What happens when your child doesn't say thank you? Doesn't it kind of rub you the wrong way? I mean, they're children, of course. I understand. I'm not trying to be, you know, hard-nosed or anything. I'm just telling you that doesn't it rub you the wrong way when someone doesn't say thank you for a kind gesture? Love doesn't care whether the person says thank you or not. But, but, a thank you, our gratitude will go a long ways with God when we clearly understand what Jesus did for you and I with the heart of gratitude, living it every single day. See, people, people really won't appreciate the cross until after their sins are forgiven. We really can't relate to that until you've had burdens that were weighing you down, lifted up by the grace of God. How many of you have ever been there before? You're, you're weighted down. You were just so heavy with burden, so heavy with burdens and so heavy with, with despair and, and, and depression and things that were there. And, and it seems like you can't find the right self-help book to get you out of it. You can't listen to the right Dr. Phil show rerun. You can't find even Steve, ask Steve Harvey won't work. You can find anything in the world that won't relieve it. But when you walk into God's presence, there is something that comes on you that lifts off of you every burden that you have. So there, and it happened because Jesus went to the cross. We understand that. But let me also reaffirm a truth in the scripture. John chapter 15 Verse 13 says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Greater love. We can talk about what Jesus did. We can read the scripture and the gospels. We can go through it in chronological order and read it chapter by chapter, line by line and see what Jesus did. The word is powerful when it is experienced. The word was meant to be experienced, not just read. Because of love, God laid down his life for each and every single one of us. Getting a gift is nice. Acts of service are very nice. Hugs are nice words, the whole nine yard, everything. Every five of those gifts and expressions of love are great, but there's nothing greater than the one act of service of laying down a life for someone. 
Someone said this one time, do you love the church enough to die for it? And the response was, I love it more than that. I love it enough to live for it. What I'm trying to convey to you and what I feel like God has put in my heart for you all today is this. The greatest message you can ever give, the greatest love expression that you can ever give to your family, the greatest gift or legacy you can ever leave, it's not found in a bank account. It's not found on a piece of real estate. It's not in a network. It's not, it's not in your in your social status, not even in your prominent name. But the greatest legacy you can ever give is the awareness of God's love. The awareness and coupled with the fact that you not only told someone or shared this with someone, but you literally lived it out, walked it out, fleshed it out, and you know and they know that God expressed himself. Friday night, when we were all there, I encourage every single one of you to get involved in this for next year, Lord willing. I, I, just, I just, in my entire life, I've always been at a distance and involved with special needs, but my wife has always had that one-on-one -on -one encounter with them. She loves the ministry. She has a true heart for it, and if God... God chose the right person and the right entity to help lead this thing. But, but I'm telling you, the love that was there was so rich and so pure, so innocent, and so awesome. When we prayed the prayer, that, 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 the, the prayer of salvation, and took time after they were dancing and having a good time, isn't that a miracle? Isn't that amazing that after they had a great time, they all stopped, we all stopped together to give Jesus a place in our life. And, and, and there's that moment, yes, God will go to the prom. God will show up after you dance. God will be there. He never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. And in that moment when we prayed together, in that moment, I can just feel it again. When, you, when we were there and we began to pray for everyone, there were, there were students that there were special guests, honored guests, that had just fallen to their knees on the dance floor. Some that just crying and weeping. Some that were shouting because they gave their life to Jesus. And it was so pure. It just made me want to go back to my childhood and made me re rethink my, my attitude and, and just say to myself even this, this morning, maybe we've made it too complicated. Maybe we have complicated this thing so much Maybe in this rat race that we're in, maybe we're missing the whole concept. Maybe we need to slow down long enough and become like children again and recognize that there are some things that are more important than having things. Things. I mean, you know, you can get overwhelmed by things in your life and pursue things because somebody else has that thing we got to keep up with them. I, I, am I telling the truth? How many of you feel like sometimes this, this it feels like a rat race because you're trying to survive and trying to make it? But here's the, the sad news. Uh, whether you win the race or not, you're still a rat. <laughs> right? There was a mother who didn't have money. There was a mother who didn't have a... Uh, uh, 
a nice piece of real estate. She didn't have jewelry to, to leave to her children. But someone wrote a poem about a mother who had nothing but one thing. And here's what they wrote. They wrote, she could not leave her children gold, so she gave them faith to have and to hold. She could not give them a royal birth, a name renowned throughout all the earth. She, she gave them seeds and a garden spot uh, and shaded trees where the sun was hot. She could not give them a silver spoon or servants waiting on them morning and noon. But she gave them love and a listening ear and told them that God was always near. She could not give them ocean trips aboard majestic sailing ships. But she gave them books and quiet time, adventures found in prose and rhyme. She could not give them worldly things, but what she gave them was fit for kings. For with her faith and books and sod, she made every child of hers aware of God. Awareness. Someone say awareness. When we become aware that God gave us something great and gave us a gift and how much he loves us, it empowers you. We live in a dark world of pain and hopelessness. But let me share with you a way, a better way to get through this world and to face your week and face your life with optimism, with gratitude, with, with insight, with faith, with faith. Someone say faith. Faith is so important. You know, when you came to church today, the whole intent was to feed your faith in God, to believe that there is a God, to feel and know that there be a confirmation in this atmosphere. I think, you know what we need to do right now? Let's just lift up our hands right where we're at and give him some praise right now. Somebody just give him some love. There's an awareness in this atmosphere. Somebody say, Jesus, I love you. Say, Jesus, touch me. Jesus, bless this church. God, bless these people. God, let your presence be felt in this atmosphere. We worship you. We give you love. We give you our affection. There is nothing more powerful, God, than you today. Nothing more powerful. Nothing more powerful. The greatest gift you can leave to your children is the awareness that Jesus loves them. The greatest gift and legacy you can leave is that Jesus loves them. And guess what? Telling them isn't enough, mom and dad. Telling them isn't enough. You have to live it. You have to feel the love of God for yourself. Some of the most miserable people in the world, I, I'm going to burst your bubble, but i got to tell you the facts some of the most miserable people in the world I have ever met before are Christians that have not experienced the love of God, are Christians that have forgotten about the love of God, are Christians that have left their first love. I'm going to tell you, once you have tasted of the Lord and seen how good he is, nothing else in this world is going to satisfy you. I feel a burning in my heart right now. Nothing in this world can even come close 
to your experience with God when you feel the love of God, when you feel the presence of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you feel him during the worship, you feel him in your prayer time, you feel him in your devotion, you feel him, and there's nothing that can satisfy you more than God. You can fill that empty place in your heart with a million, a thousand, a trillion things, but none of them can fit because it was made to be filled by the love of God. It was made to be filled by the love of God. Someone say, because of love. Because of love, you're not in darkness anymore. Someone say, because of love. Because of love, you're not addicted to drugs and alcohol anymore. Someone say, because of love. Because of love, God has kept your family together. Because of love, one more time, say, because of love. Your children are living for God and will be saved and will be champions and they will be victorious and they will be successful in this world because love is the most powerful thing we've got. When someone is aware, the only point I'm giving you today is this. There's power in awareness. There's power in awareness. When you and I walk in awareness, your faith is always active, ready to go. When you and I walk in awareness, and we are aware, because there is a difference. Again, let me, re- let me say this again. There is a difference between hearing about the love of God, reading about the love of God, being told about the love of God, and actually experiencing it. To experience the love of God, all you have to do is be willing to receive and and believe. Whosoever shall, what, work? Whosoever shall put in overtime? Whosoever shall be perfect? I mean, think about this just for a minute. This may be a little bit, uh, you know, This may be kind of simple, but I'm going to tell you the depths of this teaching and this understanding will help you out so much. Because we want big theological insight into the scriptures, but then we bypass the fundamentals about really getting engaged with God's love and experiencing the tangible presence of God in your life. You can experience the presence of God in your life anytime, any place anywhere. All God wants you to do is stop and take a moment to receive and to approach awareness. But you have to pray, God, make me aware. Make me sensitive. Let my mind, God, not be so occupied with all the worry, with all the concerns, with all the burdens. How is this going to work out? I don't know where I'm going to get the money for this. What about my child? What about my son? What about my daughter? What do I, uh, Lord Jesus, help them. Lord Jesus, save them. Can I tell you what will get them closer to Jesus? It's when you get closer to Jesus, when they get around you, they can feel Jesus. That's the only antidote for this world is the love of God. But the tangibleness, the, 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 the reality of being a carrier a carrier of God's love. Can you imagine what would happen if the love of God infiltrated the government of the United States of America? 
Some of you ought to clap your hands because we need it there. We need it there. I'm not getting into politics right now at all, but all I'm telling you is it is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. Okay, forget about the White House. Let's talk about your house. We're so worried about the White House right now. What about your house? Oh. Oh. Woo. Stung, boy. Stung, but it was good. Woke me up. I'm going to tell you, I can't criticize the White House if my house isn't in order. I can't. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you right now. Talking about me. I can't talk bad about the leader if I'm a poor leader. Ooh. Watch. Mmm. Can't do it. Am I right? Or is, is this right? Somebody say, oh, me. Not amen, but oh, me. We need a healthy perspective about the love of God. The agape, the pureness of who he is. There are no strings attached with God wanting to come closer to you. There are no There are no. There should never be a mindset of, okay, he's this taskmaster that is ready to crack the whip every time I step out of order. You want to know why lightning doesn't strike us when we do wrong? Would you like to know why? Calvary. Some of us think when we do bad or do something wrong, we know we shouldn't be going this direction in our life that you know God's okay with it because nothing bad happens. Well, let me tell you how it works. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Sometimes it creeps its way in, begins to grow, and your conscience begins to be seared. And then you can't tell the difference between right and wrong sometimes. But the love of God is continually reaching out to you at every stage of your life. So that's why the scripture says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. You want to know how to win your loved ones over? I feel like I need to tell you. I just feel it in my spirit to tell you. Would you like to know how to win your loved ones? It's not by trying to try to indoctrinate them. It's not by trying to give them a Bible study. And it's not by taking your Bible and saying, hey, you need to get to church. It's by loving them, showing them the true love of God in your life. It's by sometimes holding your tongue. Who am I talking to? Is this harsh? I don't know. I just feel it. I don't think it is. I think it's, I, I think it's just the facts. Sometimes we want to just, you know, force ourselves. You can't force love. You can't force love on your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers. You can't do that. You're going to have to be patient. Love has a moment. Love has a time. Love has a place. Love has the right words and the right actions. Love believes all things. Love sees all things that truth rejoices in truth. Love, love is bearable. It will bear. It's patient. It's kind. That's the nature of God. But you see, God is a well that springs up into everlasting life. He's a river that flows into everlasting life. And just like in this natural world, you, if you're going to get in the river, you've got to travel and go there and step in yourself. It's not just going to come to you. 
you have to approach him. Anyone in the scripture that ever wanted the king's audience, they had to prepare themselves and come in either by invitation or step in, hopefully thinking, uh, hopefully the, the, the king would delight in them like he did Esther. Esther walked in and she, was, she didn't know. She was like, you know what? I need to see the king, but I don't know if he's going to, you know, accept me or not. So guess what Esther did? Remember, she fasted, she prayed, she entered in, and he said, I'm pleased with you, mama. I'm pleased. You ask anything you want, even up to the half of the kingdom. Now, here's what you need to know. Because of what Jesus did, and because you received that part of God's gift, you are accepted, you are invited, you can go into his presence anytime you want to, and you are loved. You are loved. Even when we mess up, we are still loved. Even when we're unfaithful, he is still faithful. Don't we serve a good God? Isn't he wonderful? He's such a good God. I'm coming to a close. I'm coming to a close. So the feelings that we get, feelings of abandonment, feelings of depression, feeling of loneliness, all of these are produced by thoughts, ideas, imaginations, all these things. But knowing the love of God, hearing of the love of God, and in interacting with the love of God, it's a revelation that will revolutionize your life. And every thought, every idea that you may have about your life, I promise you, isn't anywhere near how God sees you. You know, when God looks at you, he sees what you can be, your potential, who you are. When you see your child, how do you see your child? When you look at your grandchildren, when you look at your, your own children, what do you see? Do you see their potential? And do you, as a, as a parent, do you try to build on that? To all of our single people, how do you see yourself? You may look in the mirror and think that's all there is, but there is something way deeper than that that God sees. He didn't look at David and say, um, you know what, David? Sorry, Miho, you're just a little bit too short. Right? I don't know how tall David was. I don't know, you know, the scripture doesn't give it a height on David when he first came to Israel and their time of trouble, but, but he was nowhere near the stature of the build of his brothers. And everyone looked at David and they laughed. Everyone looked at David and they said, huh, this poor little boy coming over here to this this battle, this war, thinking he's going to win with a slingshot. <laughs> his brother's that. Oh, that's Jesse's son. You hear what his brothers were saying? His brothers got mad. One of the brothers said, I know your, your arrogance and why you're even here. You're here to show off. You're just here to cause trouble. And David said, what have I done now? I just came here to deliver bread and cheese. I brought you some food. But when David stood up and he stepped up, he walked in that arena with only one thing in his mind, that he had a God. 
he had a God. He didn't pay attention to everyone else's criticism. He didn't have it all together and had the right outfit that was on point. What he had was was a proper mindset. I know that my God loves me, period. I know my God loves me. So what everyone else had to say, it didn't matter. See, that's what you have to understand with your critics and your haters. You cannot give in to everyone's words. Who cares if they backstabbed you on Facebook? Oh, my God. If Facebook is too much for you and you're tripping every week, you need to get off of that thing. <laughs> that was kind of some slang that came out. I didn't even think about it. It just came out like that. That was kind of cool. But listen, I'm telling you, if you're gauging your value on social, by social response, it's a deception from hell. If you're gauging your value by the words of other people, that's deception. The only gauge you should be using is the word of God. The only feeling you should be going by is the love of God. The only person you should be going by is what he says about you is Jesus Christ. He's the only person. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said he loves you. He gave his life for you. You are worth more to him than anything in this world. You are bigger to him. You're valuable, and you have a purpose. Let, let, me, let me help you understand this. So having a revelation will change your world. That, that's exactly why Jesus was effective. That's exactly why Jesus was so effective. Listen to this. John 11 and 41. Then this is when Lazarus was there. He had died, and he went to go pray for him, and he cried, and Jesus wept, and he cried for his friend. He loved him, but I believe he, was, he wasn't just crying for his friend. I believe he was kind of discouraged by a little bit by the, the faithlessness of the people around him. And listen to what it says, though. The reason why Jesus was able to see that miracle take place is because he knew one thing. Verse 41 says, in John 11, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. Someone say gratitude. gratitude. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You see the secret there? Did you catch that? He approached his problem with gratitude from his relationship he had with God prior to his facing his challenge. The gratitude you carry from your relationship will make you an unstoppable force in your life. Did you catch that? So, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by I said this so they may believe that you have sent me. He already knew who he was. He already knew that the Father loved him. He already knew that the Father could raise up Lazarus. He knew all this. He was aware, but he said it out loud so everyone around him could hear. He was just trying to show them. 
He was trying to help them. People are watching you and how you respond to trouble. People are always watching you to see how you're going to respond to stress. People are going to watch you to see how you're going to respond to drama. If you're not careful, you'll be crowned the drama queen. You don't want to be crowned the drama queen. <laughs> Telling you right now, people are watching you. People are looking at you. They want to know. And that response is what's going to lead someone to Jesus. It will. Having knowledge of the Bible isn't enough, but having an experience to validate the word is what faith is. Listen, the word of God without an experience would just be another religion. The word of God without the experience of God would just be another textbook on the shelf in our libraries, another theory, another idea. But because the author of the book gave the word and he gave himself and then he poured out his spirit, it is the only book you can read where the author is present with you every single time. And because of that, you can be confident. You can face your problems. Someone say, I know Jesus loves me. Come on, say it out loud. I know Jesus loves me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you know Jesus loves me. You know that, right? Jesus loves me. I'm here today. I'm in church today. He loves me. I'm breathing today. He, he loves me. I, look, I'm blessed today. I know it's more than things, but look, I know he loves me. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Everything in your life ought to be a reflection of the goodness of God. Anything good in your life comes from him. It's just a little token to show you he loves you so much. There's power in that. There's power in that. That's why David had the confidence to face Goliath. That's why Esther had the confidence to face the king. This is why Paul had the ability to face everyone from his past who was involved with him politically. They knew who he was. And what a turn, what a turn in his life from the man who went to persecute the church, from the man who went to go and show the church that Jesus loves them. He wrote that book in 1 Corinthians in that 13th chapter on love out of experience. And we read that at weddings. We read it in our devotion. We put it up on our wall. We put quotes from it. But that came from the heart of a man through the Spirit of God that had hate. Think about that for a moment. Think about that just for one moment. We love 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? The love chapter. <laughs> we love that chapter, don't we? It's the one I read at almost every wedding when I do a wedding. It's the one that I even have up in my house on the wall. But that came from a man through the Spirit of God that killed people. Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts and they laid everything down at Saul's feet. 
think about that. I feel the Holy Ghost is telling me, think about next time you judge someone on their experience. Think about that next time we judge and we try to pass judgment on someone before we know them. That God used Paul, and you received that word through Paul to believe it, to celebrate it, to live your life by. Peter, a guy who had a foul mouth, couldn't get it all together, was spoke before he thought, was a fisherman, wasn't educated like Paul was, but he had faith in God, and God saw his heart. We received the words of the apostles. To, to, to give you some validation on this, did you know that Jesus actually prayed in John chapter 17, and he said, sanctify them by thy truth. That word is truth in the, first, in, the, in the 17th verse. But he also said, Lord, he said, Father, everyone who hears the apostles, my disciples' voice, let them receive it like they've received mine words. Because God was going to use all of those men. Those weren't perfect men, but what they had was they had a revelation like John. John had a revelation that he was loved by God. John, the disciple, laid at the bosom of Jesus and stayed there. And during his writings, he said something about himself. He said, this is the disciple whom the Lord loved. He was talking about himself when writing the gospel. What I'm trying to tell you is the most, the most effective leaders, the most influential people, that, have ever done, that has ever done anything for God or changed the world in any way or influenced it were people who knew who they were and people that knew they were loved by God. That's right. They knew that someone greater than them loved them, care about them. 1 Corinthians 1 and 4, I'm closing. Come on, Haley. Let me read this first. Jesus was a man of faith. So you and I could become a man and woman of faith. The faith of God was put inside of us by his spirit. The faith of God. That, and that faith was meant to show you love and to tap into that relationship. Peter failed. Peter fell and God and the Lord told him, you know what? I know you're going to mess up, Peter. I'm paraphrasing. I know you're going to mess up, Peter. You're going to fail. You're going to deny me, but I pray that your faith fail not. And guess what happened to Peter? When Jesus came out of the grave, Jesus told the disciples, and go tell Peter. told the women at the grave. It was that thoughtfulness and the love of God towards his mistakes. We fall. We make mistakes. But no matter how big a mistake you make, that's never going to affect the way God loves you. What's changed is you just haven't reciprocated that. You just haven't gave it back to him. Therefore, you haven't tapped into it. Therefore, you feel weak. You feel separated. You feel lost. You feel like, oh, my God, I just don't feel myself. I know I'm not myself. I know I'm. Let me tell you how to fix that. Go to the cross. 
go to the cross as fast as you can. Go to the cross as fast as you can and just make it right with God and you'll feel what we call the ministry of reconciliation back in your life. The fastest way to feel the love of God is to have a change of heart and go to him and let him express himself. I thank God, my God always, concerning you for the grace of God which has been given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. How many of you have a testimony this Sunday morning? How many of you can honestly testify that you know God loves you? Let's get that settled right now. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to make a confession this Sunday morning. We're going to make a confession. Are you ready? I want you to repeat this after me. Are you ready? Say, I know who I am. I know who he is. Let's start over. I want everyone to say it with conviction. Say it again. I know who I am. I know who he is. I know what he can do for me. And I know that he will. And the devil knows he will. And is terrified. Period. Say that out loud to yourself ten times. In your mind. I know who I am. I know who he is. I know what he can do for me, and I know he wants to do it, and hell knows it. That's why hell is giving me such a hard time. If you're going through something right now, and you feel like you have no help, have no hope, let me tell you something. You have a hope in Christ Jesus. You have a place in him, and there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Now... Now, now listen to this. This may sound fundamental this Sunday morning. This may even sound like a Sunday school lesson you teach kids. But the, 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 true, the truth is, are you walking in this level? Ask yourself, are you truly walking in this level? Do you really have a revelation? Are you driven by love right now? What's driving you? Because we may think we know all this, but there's a big difference between knowing it and living it. If you're not being driven by love, because some of us want to be used by God in the gifts, and we're like we have ministry on our lives and all, but we haven't even got the fundamentals right, the foundation. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.